Hi, and welcome to Unapologetic Women, a podcast about current affairs, culture, politics, life, and how we got here. Brought to you by Tony and Sorsha. So, as a, as a lady, oh. as a Jesus, I don't think I've been called a lady in a long time. <laughs> as, a, as a woman, there we go, a thing that gets asked of us a lot is when are you having kids or when are you getting mm. married or uh, in particular, when are you having kids or why haven't you had kids yet or are you, oh my God, you're up next. Um, and I would love, Tony, to hear your experience with those types of questions. The when you're up next feels even more brutal than the poignant question. It feels like much more passive aggressive, which is fascinating because I actually think that irks me more than the poignant question of just like, mm. oh, I guess you're next. I guess your time is up. Um, there's something I don't, I was thinking about this the other day of, do I get more annoyed with the, why do you not have kids or the versus the, do you want to have kids? Mm. Because the, why do you not have kids feels like the default has to be, surely you're you're a woman, you're going to want kids, like the clock's yeah. ticking, your biology's, you know. Um, whereas the, do you want kids feels from, I, it's bizarre, isn't it? Like it's such a small nuance and such a small difference, but it feels so much better to have someone ask point blank, do you want kids? Um, versus do you not want kids? Is that what's happening here? Which just feels accusatory straight away. Mm. Um, but I would say there isn't a wedding that I go to where that's not where that's not discussed or asked of me. And the the my dad used to ask it of me a lot as well. Um, just like, you know, I'd love to have grandkids. In a different way, it's your parents, so they've got a different relationship with you. But I've noticed in the last, because I'm in my mid-30s now, but I've noticed in the last four years, four or five years, that he's actually stopped asking um, and I don't think it's like he stopped asking, he's given up. I think he stopped asking because I think times have changed. I yeah. think he realizes now that it's actually a sensitive conversation. Uh, I think he realizes that it's not a given. Um, and I say that because I kind of want more people to realize that as well. Um, mm. And I'll give you one anecdote and then I definitely want to hear your experience with it. But my latest, I was in a wedding in... It doesn't matter where it was. It was. A, I think I want to say where it was because I'm just like travel, <laughs> um, but wedding and one of the father, a father and the guy, a friend of mine who been friend for 20 years, asked me. So you not do do you and Sylvain, who's my husband, not want to have kids? And I was feeling very sassy, a couple of glasses of champagne in. And my response was, well, I just outlived my mum, so that was my priority up until now. So. Well, I wasn't thinking about motherhood in that vein straight away. I was thinking about outliving my now deceased mother and his face just dropped. Mm. And it wasn't, and he, a very, and look, he lost his mum too. So it was an interesting one where he was like, fuck, I, yeah, respect that, get that, walked back and said, I'm actually really sorry. And I didn't say it to actually get a reaction. I think I just, as I said, bit sassy in that moment, but also just realised that that was actually very, very true and top of mind for me. But that realization of you have no fucking idea that even though this, it's something interesting because even though there's a reason why this feels like the norm, isn't it? Like there's a reason why women wanting to have kids feels like the norm. I don't know if that's history. I don't know what it is, but there's a thing there that feels very normal. And yet 
being able to have kids easily, have an easy pregnancy, have a safe pregnancy, see the kid to its full fruition, 20% of um, of kids don't actually make it um, in their nine months of growing inside of the womb. Uh, like These are big numbers. And it's weird that even though the norm is you're going to be pregnant, it's all going to be fine. The actual reality is it's way more fucking complicated than that. It's way more complex. And women have way more different and unique stories. So there's just something that's, that's interesting there for me. I'm curious for you where your head is at, because I know that we're... You're a little younger than I am. You yeah. still got a spring in your step. Choose <laughs> <laughs> your words day. wisely because <laughs> I'm in a gasp and there's no spring in this step. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I am turning thirty this year, and four years ago, no, three years ago, because it was when I moved back to Boston, I went and had a doctor's appointment, a physical. And my doctor was a man. And so, yeah, so I would have been 25. Five. Oh, okay. No, I can't do maths. Because I'm right now I'm 29 yeah. minus 3. 26. 26. Cool. And so that's why we're in politics. <laughs> I'm like, numbers. Um, so, yeah, so I was 26 and I went for a physical. You know, he asked me the questions of, are you planning on having children? Da, 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 da. And never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I would be crying in a doctor's office at 26 because he turned around and was like, oh, you know, I said like, yeah, at some point, like Craig and I have been together at that point for whatever it was, five years. And I was like, you know, we'll figure it out, like whatever. And he's like, well, you are getting towards that point where we would consider, you know, geriatric mothers and I literally just like was like, what? I'm 26. What do you mean, geriatric? And he was like, well, not like right now, but you said like you know in a couple of years, so like you you know getting into your 30s, and that's really, you know, it's just going to be harder for you to conceive, and you'll be you know you'll be at high risk. You'll be, and I was just like, I can't, I can't. And so honestly, since that experience three years ago, I then just didn't go back to the doctors. Wow. And the first time I went back to the hospital to the doctors was the hospital when I fucked up my ACL. But it was brutal. Just like hearing it from a medical profession, like, oh, you haven't made up your mind yet? Well, you you've you're shit out of luck. You're about to be geriatric, high risk. I was like, but I'm but I'm 26. What? <laughs> like so that was my like most recent experience with it, to be totally honest with you. And, you know, I've always had the flippant comments of, oh, you know, for me, it was more about getting married. Like you and Craig have been together for so long. Like, why aren't you getting married? And it's like, because we're happy. Leave us alone. <laughs> um, but those questions I know now as we're engaged that we'll, we'll continue and we'll flip to that. You're next. You know what it feels like? It feels like an awkward conversation starter when it just really fucking shouldn't be. Mm. It's when you you kind of want to say something and it's just like, it is like, oh my God, nice hair. Did you just get your hair done? Or, you know, oh, I love the, love the lipstick color on you. And oh, by the way, God, you two have been together a long time. When's the wedding? And it's just, it's too far. But it really it is in that same bucket of just a conversation starter, quick check in, how you're doing. 
And it's just way too fucking personal to be a conversation starter or even a middle of a fucking conversation. It is just, you, it's one of those for me, if you're going to ask the question, you have to be willing to sit with the answer of that person and willing to go on that full journey because you just don't know what the answer is. And you know, as I say that, and it's weird because I never want that to be the case, but it's like the, how are you? And then you've already walked off and the person's like, oh, I'm actually having a shit. Oh, okay, you're not actually listening to the answer. Yeah. Okay, guess I'll talk. And again, every how are you doesn't need to hold the same weight. I don't want to be that person of, if you ask me how are you, you'll have to be willing to, no, I like that's just the way we speak. It's just a throwaway, kind of a throwaway comment. But it feels like it's in that same bucket of, if you're going to ask the question, you've got to be willing to sit with the uncomfortableness of the answer because not everyone is going to have the same answer as you. And I also think there's, <clears throat> there is something about the relationship with the person you have who asks the questions. Like when you talk about your dad asking you that and that's a very different contextual yeah. moment than someone you maybe haven't seen in 10 years that you see at a wedding. Like you haven't, we haven't spoken in 10, why is that, why is that even a part of the conversation? Like let's talk about anything else, like anything. But why, I, I want and neither of us, I don't think, will have the answers to this. Why is it a topic of conversation? Is it because women are the only ones who can produce a child? I think so. I So it's so interesting you say that because I was hanging out with a bunch of dudes in the motorsport space, real lads. And I, one of them, I actually brought it up. They didn't ask it. It was interesting. I brought it up and I brought it up in that I am actually scared shitless of, giving birth like it is just not a thing i am petrified of the whole thing yeah no reasons for it i don't believe um but i remember and i spoke to an old friend of mine who joked and she said god you and i remember when you said to me and she said i so agree with you and i still resonate with that and i still said it to people and i think i'm absolutely i said when i flippantly when i was it's been 15 16 i wish i could give birth to an egg I would much, much rather give birth to an egg and have to take care of a fucking and egg. Watch it hatch. And watch it hatch. <laughs> Jesus. Then give give birth. But my sentiment still stays the same. And I said that to the guy. I was like, I'm actually scared shitless of giving birth. I I I might enjoy pregnancy. I don't believe I'm the type of woman that will enjoy pregnancy, but I don't know and I don't want to judge. And he turned around and said, I Yes, and I don't understand you. I am so jealous. I want to, I, I, I want to know that feeling of carrying a human being inside of me and being able to create light. Like, and he didn't say it like you should know better. Like it was a beautiful sentiment. He didn't say it as do you not even under, how dare you do not understand that. But he was like he was like gobsmacked. He was like wow, I don't think I've ever had a woman say that to me. And I always say the opposite of just how jealous I am of just like I. I want to know that feeling and I never, ever will. And you could see that, like, the pain in his eyes. And I was just, I sat there going, oh, fuck. But it was a beautiful, interesting moment of he was respectful of my fear. And I, for the first time, was also had someone say the complete opposite. But I think to your, and I and I say that because I think to answer your question, I think that is part of it of why men specifically are very, feel very comfortable like getting all up in that business of women of just like pregnancy giving birth because I think they will never ever experience it and I am going to do a very weird parallel here with Formula One bear with me I'm here for it let's go commentators 
and people who talk about F1, the reason they get so into it, the reason like they do the maths and they try and analyze anything is because there will only be at any given time 20 drivers on this planet who are driving that car. Mm, okay. No one else will ever get, unlike basketball players, football players, you cannot hop into an F1 car. It's just not a thing that happens. You need to go through very specific rules and regulations. You need to get specific license points to be able to drive that monster of a car. And that's why people are very invested in the sport because that's the only thing they can get to do around the sport. They will never, ever get to be behind the wheel of a car like that ever in their life for 99.9% of people. And so there's a weird parallel there that I think that's probably what's happening again with men, why they like get very invested and want to ask questions. That's the sentiment I get, mm. is they'll never get to experience it, ever. I don't have that same fear. I don't know why. Of giving birth? Yeah. But I have I have friends who have a very have that fear. I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to have kids. I'm not sure if I can, like, physically have kids. Um, it's interesting you say that. I'm in the same spot. I don't know. Yeah, like, I was told that I... So my ruptured disc in my spine, um, the nerves go into my sciatic um, nerve and bleh, and my womb. Um, and so the likelihood um, of children or, like, natural conception is, like, um, a lot lower for me. Um, and so I'm, I don't know, in my head, when I was a kid, always wanted to have children. I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family. My dad is one of nine. Like I was always around kids, but I, I don't know. Uh, Do you know why you've never taken a test? And I say never, you're still not barely 30. So it's not as if you don't. Well, I think, so when I had my accident, I was, and (laughs) this is not my skiing accident. (laughs) This is my my jet ski accident uh, when I was 15. Keep those two feet to the ground, (laughs) will you, woman? Um, Wasn't my fault, but that's a tale for another day. Anyway, the, I was 15 um, and I like dealt with a lot of the the spinal injuries for ages. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 18, 17 or 18. Yeah, because I was in uni, I was in Portsmouth, so I was 18. um, I got... I went and did a whatever, what do you call it? In my head, I'm like dermatologist because I just came from the dermatologist, but it's not that. What's it called? I don't know. The lady doctors? Gynecologist? Gynecologist. There we go. I was like dermatologist. The lady doctors. (laughs) So I went to a gynecologist um, and that's where I found out about the nerves being affiliated with my womb. God, yeah. Um, And so I, I guess I have taken a test. But it's, yeah, it's, I think I would... I don't think at this moment in my life I could say yes or no, but if I was to wake up tomorrow morning and be pregnant, I would want to move forward with with that. I guess where my head is at is how do we give women all of the information that they need at the right time in their life for them to be able to have it in their mind and take the right decisions? Because the last thing you want is to get to... Imagine you have no other knowledge. You're 34, decide you want to have kids. And the doctor says, why the fuck didn't you come to me sooner? Like, this is too late. Your body wasn't, you know, producing enough eggs. And I could have told you this at 26 and we could have kept some of these eggs. Who knows where that's... And so you, I can imagine the pain in that woman going, fuck, I wish I would have had this information. So I, where my head is at is how do we do it that 
you don't have the experience you had, which is, I'm sorry, what the fuck? You made an assumption that I wanted kids. You're having a conversation about with me when I'm willfully unprepared and not ready to hear this and unwilling to yeah. like know. But also, how do you give me that information? And when's the right time? Because 16, 18, and I'm not talking about, you know, this is how you get pregnant. I'm talking about here that even I at this age haven't, I know I haven't done enough research to know what are my 12 or 15 options in front of me. Like, what are all the other ways I can go to conceive? Tony, what you're talking about there is really interesting because I'll, I'll share my feeling when you talk like that. To me, it's like that that shouldn't be necessary because I'm a woman and so I should naturally be able to do this, which is my own fucked up bias. And by naturally, you mean my body should just if it's, yeah, like if I I'm going to have kids. I shouldn't be going to the doctor to try and find information to do research because I'm a woman, and so it's just going to it's happen. just going to happen. And that is my own bullshit that like I bring to the table with that. Uh, but what he just literally hearing you say that, I was like, why would you do that? But I know that especially knowing that I actually have like a medical thing in my womb that like I should be doing those things if I want children and it's it's fascinating because the only comparison I have it's weird because I know this to be true we've we god I remember when I was younger like taking all of the right precautions to not fall pregnant doing everything right um been off the pill now for two years and it's just like we're just like guess our body's not producing kids and it's not that we're actively trying but we're, we're just like to your point like if it was going to happen great we're like op- open let's put it that way open to the open, open to, to the suit and very much in your vein of like my body will our bodies will do the thing but we're starting to have this conversation of okay well if our bodies aren't doing the thing at what point do we start the and it's a fucking active journey which i know is going to open me up to heartache yeah heartache heartache yeah sadness frustration fucking expensive money you name it and i'm just not ready for that which is weird for me because as someone whose mum passed away of colon cancer i've been having colon i feel like i've spoken about my colonoscopies way too often on the podcast but here Mm. we go again um and check your colon if you're (laughs) people if you're if you're prone to this but i've had scheduled colonoscopies and my dad jokes about the fact that by the time that he has his first i will have had half a dozen um, which he finds very amusing um Um, but for that, I've been very proactive. It's like, yep, that's just, it's, I'm going for the motions and it's the whole experience is hell. The actual moment is fine because you're semi sedated, but you also get the nerve wracking feeling 24 hours after 10 minutes after where you're just like, okay, good news, bad news. Yeah. Tell me, break it down. And I know that feeling deeply. And I'm just like, I don't, because I also know that the moment I start going down that road of, okay, I guess we're doing this because we want kids. Then you start getting attached to that feeling of, I guess I want this. Well, and you and I being who we are in my head, it's like, if we, if I get to that point where I want to make that decision, it's what are the backup options? Like, am I okay with being a foster parent? Would I be okay with adopting? Like, what is the thing that I would need to, what am I, if if I'm trying to have children, I decide that, and it works out that I can't, what are the other options that I'm okay with? And there's a woman, um, Andriana Craig, she's the CEO and uh, co-founder of Little Words Project, which is a like bracelet company and her and her husband just very publicly over the last probably 18 months have gone on a fertility journey. She found out she couldn't have 
um, she couldn't conceive naturally. They did a number of different like IVF treatments. And, and for any of you listening that want or have interest in that, she has been extremely transparent and open about the highs and the lows and the good and the bad and the money and the different types of tests that she did and treatment services that she did. Um, But it's crazy because you have to, what I experienced from her sharing that was, this becomes your life. You are in and out of the doctors, you are injecting yourself, you are having sex on a schedule, you are, like, it is your life now to figure this out versus that concept that I was talking about earlier where it's like this is my body I'm a woman it just happens right like and that's a very naive experience that I am like I guess hoping for right is like this it just happens you don't have to go through but that experience of going through it and it being your life and scheduled and is actually a lot more common than we think or know about and that's the, I was going to say to you, I don't think it's, I, I push back on that. I do not think it is naive of you. I think it is society has led us to believe mm. that pregnancy just happens. Because God knows I have had so many conversations with dad, family members, you name it, of pregnancy happens fast. And I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it doesn't. Like, take all the precautions. Like, be careful. It, all it takes is one. And you're just, and I've had so many of the conversations of the fear of getting mm. pregnant when you're not ready to. That no, very few people have ever had the conversation of, it might not be easy. It might not be straightforward. That is so... It's like you spend the years from 14 to 21 being told... Be careful. Be careful. Be it's going to happen. Three seconds. Split condom. You never know. You're now going to be... a teenage mother and there is no transition period to be like what if you want to be <laughs> yeah it might not be as easy it might not be as easy as stop taking the pill for two you know yeah. um so i don't i'm gonna push back it's not your i don't think it's a naive i think it is society has let really truly of lack of all of that preparation information has led us to believe that it will just happen, which I honestly thought where I thought you were going with this when you said you and I are similar in this, which is, I think, my own fucked up is, what if I fail at this? Mm. And I think that's what I'm holding, because if society has led me to believe that this is easy and it's not happening for me, then what am I doing wrong? Am, am I failing? Am I broken? And that, that is the thing for me that destroys a human being, but also is the thing that I am angry at that it's got nothing to do with you. Just we're built differently. Yeah. Where we we start we start the world with some people having plethora of eggs and never have to worry. About it, but that's not the case for everyone. Just like some people have a great straight back, some people don't. You have scoliosis. Some people have great teeth, and we just and so for women, that's the thing that always irks me when we talk about motherhood, caregivers, all of that is it is expected. It is so it's that feeling of it's natural, it's bound to happen, it's easy, yeah. it's flawless, it's seamless. And when it doesn't happen like that, then there's something wrong. And I think I beat around the bush. You called me on that. Because what I was saying there was like the backup plan, right? Like but what I meant was that fear of failure. If I can't do it the way that I believe is right, what's the backup plan? Because I can't set an objective and then not and which is fucking mental to say. Well, that that's exactly because I know you. An objective. But that's where I thought you were going. And I was, I, like, I, was, I, I just that. didn't say it. <laughs> you know? Which is, 
we when we st- knowing you and I when we fuck it and that's what's scary to me is I know that when I start a project I want to fucking finish it but what if halfway through I start it who knows can't have kids the natural way I go down all the other routes and I and I call it out going I can't fucking go for this yeah like I just mentally I don't we talked about mental health for the last two episodes I mentally do not have the bandwidth for the capacity to do this I know myself it is going to destroy my marriage and it is better that we mm. do is that is that, am I, am I as a human being going to be okay calling it quits? Which is something I very often do, but also just the sheer fact that we're having this conversation that having kids should be a thing that you succeed at. When I think you talk to any parents, they will say it's an ongoing fucking journey. It is never done. It is not a thing you succeed or fail at. It is highs and lows. How do we change it? Because it is crazy that two women like you and I that are pretty well informed, that are pretty comfortable have A, these fears the lack of knowledge necessary right now in this point in our life, but also just the fear of what it will do to us. How do you change that conversation? Yeah, I do. I will say, I do think we have, we have come far from where we were in the lens of, in, in getting prepared to talk about this conversation, um, looking out there to try and identify Mm -hmm either we'll call them influencers, people who are in this space, in this industry, or because motherhood is an industry. Like there are Ooh, yeah. It is. It like it mm-hmm. it makes it drives me up the fucking wall when people say, Oh, you're just a stay at home a stay at home mom. Like I grew up just. with a just a stay at home mom who happens to have just graduated with her second masters and is a fucking powerhouse. Legend. Like fuck off. The, sorry. Um, and I actually saw a piece uh, from the head of... She's in, I'm not sure if she's the head. Anyway, HR at Reddit, mm. where they were interviewing a woman and she had a gap on her resume while she took some time off to be with her family. And the woman who was HR at Reddit wrote a whole piece on like, can we fucking normalize putting motherhood on your resume or your CV for those at home? Those skills, it is leadership. And that was her whole piece of like, it is literally leadership. If you have two kids, you are doing foreign relations and international conversations between conflict resolution two countries who cannot sit at the same table. Like it's, and we just- It's also social stepping back while letting others thrive, which is the biggest fucking skill a leader can have. But you know, we just don't celebrate it. It's like, oh, you're, oh, you're doing that. You're- you're, you're going with the kids for a while. A friend of mine um, has a, a podcast, has a newsletter, and she wrote a poignant piece, which we will share because I think it is worth listening to, and it was mm. around motherhood and the workplace. And one of the things that she shared, which pissed me off so much and I never thought about it, was how women who are pregnant have to hide that pregnancy for the first three months of their life. Oh, yeah. And, they, and she writes it. They are, they, it is deemed normal and acceptable and celebrated to suffer in silence. You are nauseous. You are vomiting. You are you're emotional and all over the fucking place. Not the time to tell anyone you're pregnant because it's too early. Miscarriages happen during that time. All of that. And so as a society... We have even celebrated, oh my God, I never knew you were pregnant. <laughs> like the, the fact that these women most of the time are suffering in silence for those three months. But that goes into, Tony, the, and I will speak specifically for America because it's the only country 
in modernized society that does not have guaranteed federal maternity or paternity leave. Fucking wild. So not only are you hiding it for that first three months, there are women who will hide it for an extremely long period of time in the workplace so that, because they're nervous, they don't know if they're going to have their job when when they come back. They don't know what that's going to look like. And that conversation with your workplace can only start to happen if we actually get an understanding of how many people in the workplace are caregivers. Because right now, we don't. There's no under, actual understanding of how many, and, and this is a more broad term, caregiver than mother or father, but we're talking about people who are looking after elderly grandparents, who are looking after nieces or nephews, who are actual caregivers for people that cannot provide for themselves. That is a conversation that we are just just starting to scratch the surface of, and COVID actually allowed for that to take place because we got this weird little fucking Zoom box window into people's lives of, oh, there's three children standing behind you screaming. There's an old man asleep in the corner in your room. Who is that person? Oh, it's my grandfather who I care for because he has, he's in palliative care and I have to take him to hospital twice a week. Oh, you never knew that about me, right? Like we got this little square into people's lives Mm. that allowed for the conversation, at least in America, to actually pick up looking at a federal maternity leave, guaranteed maternity leave plan, is now there's actually a conversation that's starting up and Time's Up is doing so much work um, around pushing that narrative. But we need more. We need more from legislatures. We need more from people who are running for office that are women that might actually be able to have children, like all have kids, And we've talked about that on previous podcasts where the running for office or being a CEO, it's not designed for women with children. And it is obviously the, and how do it's even pushing it further? How do you change that narrative that the narrative, even if biologically is the women that are going to carry the babies and give births, there are other ways also of conceptualizing that motherhood can be fatherhood. And how do you bring that forward? And I saw it firsthand with my dad who was, single father from the age of 11 had to say no to a lot of things but also just like when people would say oh but your wife can he's like no there's no wife at home that can Mm. do this while I stay late at night sorry I'm the main caregiver so no I'm I'm leaving now and even having that conversation as a young man what does that do of you know come and have you know come and have a drinks at the pub with the lads you know your your wife and it's like no again I have to come home to my daughter um so it's also, it's the other way of like not making the assumptions um, because my mm. husband has said to many of his friends, and I love him to bits for this, is like his dream is to be a stay at home dad. He wants that. Don't know if my things have probably changed a little bit for me as well, but I was like, fuck, how did I land that? I'm, I did not know that about you. Um, but yeah. how do we change that narrative about, which is why I like the word that you brought in, caregivers, uh, because it takes a little bit away from just that, that very women-centric motherhood um, piece, which I don't want to take away from that, obviously, as well. But No, but but it is a, it's a more holistic conversation because at the so, end of the day, like, your perfect example of your dad, Tony, like, that's real. That is a lived experience yeah. for a lot of people. They are a single parent. That's, that's it. Like, and I think it has to be because it, 
it should not be about the fact that you are biologically able to give birth, that you get recognized to be a part of your child's life. Because that's like functionally what that is. Like we don't, we don't live in the 30s anymore. And even then it was fucked up. But we don't, we don't live there. And so this idea of like, well, the man's just going to go right back to work. Why would he need to be around? Because it's his child too? Like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> Or what is it? The thing of just like, oh, my husband's babysitting. No, no. No, no, no. He's not babysitting. He's caregiving. He, he's, he, it's his own. Children. You don't babysit your own children. What the fuck? And and so it, this is interesting, social because it goes back to right at the beginning of just like, how do we make that part? Why has this become like part of the normal narrative, but also how do we normalize certain things? And it's an interesting tension of we want to, these conversations be happening more. The thing, the dangerous things of saying things like, oh, my husband's yeah. babysitting my kids or, oh, you obviously, we, we, how do we move away from that? But simultaneously, what we're asking for is how do we have more open conversations about that, which is an interesting one. I want less people, I want more people to mind their own goddamn yes. business. But simultaneously, I want more people to be more open and talk about these conversations because every time women speak up and say, I was silenced mm. through my first, when I was giving, you know, I was silenced through the healthcare process. I was told this was natural. I was told that the discomfort was normal and I was suffering in silence. Or I was told that all the things, and there's women who talk about this, and I think Leticia talks about this in her newsletter as well, of the moment you become a woman, everyone has an opinion of what you should and shouldn't do. And you become if, if infantilized of just like, I'm a grown-ass woman. I know what's, I can listen to my own body. But no, all of a sudden, everyone's mm. telling me to do's and don'ts. Do this, don't do that. Be ready, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, you should go home now, you're tired. And she's like, I'm actually perfectly normal. But but weirdly, when I wake, when I call you at 9am and said I'm feeling bad, my boss is like, well, you should really try and come into the office. Yet when you see me late at the office and you're like telling me to go home, what, what? So there's something like, how how do we balance those two of, mind your goddamn business, everyone is going through their own unique journey, but let's have more open conversations about it, which... I catch myself doing that though. I am literally thinking about if I ask, like, if my sister isn't with her kids, I'll be like, where are they? <gasps> and my sister is someone who literally would be like, go fuck yourself, they're with their father, because uh, she's a legend. Would you do that with her husband? No. Not in a fucking million years. And that's the the centuries of bias that we have. How do we shake that? Yep. It's real. Like, I do that to my sister all the fucking time. Do I do it to my brother who has three kids? Nope. Or when my dad tells me, oh, my boss said to me the other day, I was like, oh, what did he say? And he was like, she. And I think these are the things where it never comes, obviously it's your sister, so it never comes from... A bad intention a bad place but i think over time that weighs on women that has that has to weigh on your sister that's the end of this episode thank you for listening and if you do feel inclined to do so please give us a review this is absolutely what will help us grow thank you